CP Podcast 89. So today's episode is born from the inspiration of a question that we had on membership, which was about how do I differentiate between mechanical and non-mechanical symptoms? So in this very podcast, Marie and I dive on to describe how you might do this and some case studies in order to bring this into life. So if you're ready, let's dive in. Hi, Marie. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast once again. How have you been? All good, thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with me. And today we're going to be talking about mechanical versus non-mechanical symptoms. And we've got a few case studies to go through to help us explain some of the different patients that we might have and how we can differentiate them. So first of all, why do we need to differentiate between mechanical and non-mechanical symptoms? I've got three bullet points written down here quickly. Number one, cause of diagnosis. Number two, helps us understand axoneses. And number three, red flags. So first of all, cause of diagnosis. How do mechanical and non-mechanical symptoms help us with this? So ultimately, I suppose what this comes down to is the fact that we need to, within our MSK subjective assessment, one of the first things we really need to establish is what is going on with our patient? What is the cause of their symptoms? And effectively, we can go down a route of Does our patient present with mechanical symptoms? Okay, what kind of mechanical diagnoses might be a factor there? Right, it could be a nerve compression, could be a tendinopathy, could be a joint-related pathology, could be a muscle injury, could be a ligament injury, versus non-mechanical symptoms where there isn't a musculoskeletal link to their symptoms. So, for example, avascular necrosis, cancer, uh, a peripheral arterial disease or something like inflammatory rheumatological stuff. So that's really important for us to consider with these patients. Second of all, it helps us to understand what the aggravating and easing factors are for these patients. What do you think about that, Marie? Yeah, absolutely. So I think your um, axoneses helps you work out whether something is mechanical or non-mechanical. If someone can tell you I do this particular activity and it brings on my symptoms, then you know that you're more than likely dealing with something mechanical because mechanical um, MSK presentations are linked to specific activities or movements. Um, Whereas your non-mechanical stuff, as you said, tends to be a non-musculoskeletal cause, therefore might not have clear ags and eases or will behave a bit more differently. Perhaps that's that it's present constantly or, for example, with like an inflammatory rheumatological presentation will follow that kind of pattern where worse after periods of rest, better with activity, um, prolonged early morning stiffness. That would be different to what you'd expect for kind of mechanical pain. Wonderful. And then finally, it is quite an important factor in helping us decide if a patient is presenting with red flags. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So when we're talking about red flags, kind of thinking about sinister pathology, so cancers and things, because typically those tend to have non-mechanical patterns. So like we were talking about a minute ago, present all of the time, um, not necessarily linked to activity. So things like really bad night pain where if that was a mechanical problem you'd expect it to be potentially a bit more settled at night because you're not moving or at least once you get into a comfortable position that things should settle so um really important to consider whether we've got those mechanical ags and eases that would point us in the direction of yes this is a 
soft tissue joint related problem that's linked to movement and activity or actually am I is what I'm hearing here something that doesn't sound musculoskeletal like I can't reproduce it there's no particular clear link to activities or movements um but one thing I'd probably say on that is in my experience and feel free to disagree with me that sometimes some of the sinister pathologies do present as mechanical initially and then as they progress they become more and more non-mechanical so it's really important not only to kind of keep this in mind in your initial assessment but also um, as you reviewing people over the course of their treatment with you. I couldn't agree more Marie that's a really important point and I think that we're going to you know we're going to discuss that in more detail but you're absolutely right that generally speaking patients lots of patients who end up being diagnosed with cancer the initial thought process isn't always cancer the first time you see them you may not think it's something like that but then if the history seems to be getting worse over time and and things like that we may change our mind so anyway we've got three little case studies here and the idea that we wanted to try and perhaps present to everyone listening is that rather than just talking about what's mechanical and what's non-mechanical we thought we'd try and link it to patients because that often makes it easier to digest and help us interpret it when we have patients of our own who might present with similar stuff so here is case study one i'll read through it marie and then i'd love to get your thoughts on some of the key signs that you hear that might help you establish is this mechanical or non-mechanical so we have a 72 year old male who has pins and needles and numbness in their feet, which seem to have been worse specifically in the last two to three months. The patient has had low back pain for around five years and assumes that their symptoms seem to be coincide with their back pain. They feel like their symptoms tend to be worse in the morning and in the evening, but they are not sure as to why. The symptoms feel like they are always present in the background, but once again appear worse in the morning and the evening. There's no pain in the legs other than the pins and needles and numbness in the feet as discussed. The patient is unsure if their symptoms are worse at night, but some nights does wake up with the pins and needles and has to just wait for them to wear off before going back to sleep. They are retired and are sedentary most of the time. They have a past medical history of underactive thyroid, ischemic heart disease and diabetes. So Marie, from that, is there anything particularly that stands out to you? I think the main standout is apart from kind of a vague thought of it being worse in the morning and the evening, there's nothing they've said there that's a clear aggravating factor. So there's not a, I stand up and walk for 15 minutes and it brings on or worsens my pins and needles or when I bend down to pick something up, this happens or a link to an injury. So again, with kind of mechanical stuff, you're looking for that. I picked up my grandchild and felt something go in my back. And then since then I've had these symptoms. So there isn't kind of that history from the information you've given me there. So there's not a huge amount here that's making me think it's mechanical. Um, If we were seeing this person, obviously given that they've got back pain with altered neurology, it'd be really important for us to do a good screening of their back, um, which I'm sure everyone at home is thinking about. But I think something else potentially to consider here is the fact that they're diabetic. Um, So bilateral foot symptoms in a diabetic with no really clear mechanical ags there, I think that's kind of the direction I'd be going in with this one. 
Interesting. Yeah, no, you've raised some really important points. I, I totally agree with you about the fact that there doesn't seem to be any clear aggravating factors. I think, as you said, we would, in our objective assessment, we would screen with low back pain. So we would be specifically looking to go through the movements with this patient and identify, are their symptoms being worsened by a specific lumbar spine movement? Or perhaps, so if you were thinking about potentially a stenotic pattern, getting them to walk on the treadmill or something like that in clinic to see whether that brings on their symptoms. So not everything will come on with um, your lumbar spine active range movement, but thinking a bit more broadly. But this is where if you can't reproduce it in clinic, um, start thinking, is this actually a mechanical problem? Wonderful. So I think another important thing to talk about is the area of which they're getting their symptoms, as you said, bilateral foot pain. So I suppose what we would probably do is try and identify where exactly their symptoms are and do their symptoms seem to fit a specific mechanical pattern, i.e. if your patient had L5-S1 symptoms, we would expect it to present more along the lateral side of the foot. Or if they had specifically pins and needles and numbness in one foot, which was the same leg of which they had pain, that would be slightly different. But bilateral foot pain in a nondescript area, sometimes they'll say, oh, it feels a bit all over. doesn't feel like there's a particular area. It's a bit less MSK. Yeah. And I think the other thing with this patient, as you mentioned, is their night symptoms. So they're unsure if the symptoms are worse at night, but some nights does wake up with the pins and needles and just has to wait for them to wear off, i.e. doesn't seem to be anything they can do or a position they can change to that seems to make things worse. So I suppose the red herring with this is that they have low back pain. But actually, when we're trying to work out, is this person's symptoms related to their back pain? Our first impression here, Marie, is no. Correct? Yeah, and actually that is correct. This patient ended did, did indeed fact have a diabetic neuropathy. And the idea there is that when we investigated things further, worse in the last two to three months, what actually did happen in the last two to three months is that their diabetic medication had not been sufficient to manage their diabetes. And that seemed to have been causing this worsening. So we did our assessment went through everything, didn't seem like the lumbar spine was provoking their symptoms. So we referred back to the GP and they did a diabetes check. So that was the one with that one. So next we have case two. Now you'll, what you'll notice, ladies and gentlemen, is that all of these patients have the same symptoms. They all have a five-year history of back pain and they all have some kind of symptoms in both legs. So here's case study number two. So you have a 65-year-old lady with a five-year history of low back pain that appears to have been worsened in the last two to three months. This is because in the last two, three months, she has been experiencing pain in both calves with occasional pins and needles and numbness in both feet. She feels as if the best thing she can do for her symptoms is sit down as she notices that her symptoms are worse when she goes for her evening walk of half an hour. When you do your examination, you notice that lumbar spine extension seems to bring on her symptoms more intensely. So Marie, any first thoughts with this one? This one has got a really clear mechanical aggravating factor of walking. So I think this one feels a lot more comfortable that this is a musculoskeletal problem. We've also got radicular pain or nervy pain alongside the altered sensation in the feet. So 
this is definitely fitting a little bit more with a musculoskeletal presentation and if we kind of think about that age group with the aggravating factor that she's talking about with essentially extension so standing walking for prolonged periods this fits with with the stenotic pattern a lot more than the first patient that we spoke about lovely yeah i totally agree we also have the added bonus here in our assessment that when we do lumbar spine extension as a part of the examination it seems to bring on the symptoms which matches the aggravating factor here another key thing is is establishing with the patient when you're asking about those aggravating and easing factors how long does it take for you to be doing that activity before the symptoms come on and go off so for example with the last patient when we were talking about night pain they said oh i don't really know it just just doesn't just goes off when it goes off i suppose whereas with this person we've been able to establish specifically it's half an hour of walking that brings on their symptoms and that seems quite clear and consistent that kind of tells us that there's a mechanical process going on where half an hour of that mechanical movement extension whatever you want to call it seems to bring things on and so a further question i would probably be asking this patient is when you go to sit down because you mentioned sitting down makes your symptoms easier that's another mechanical sign in itself that there is something that specifically makes it easier i'd also be asking how long sitting before your symptoms seem to ease and if they say something like yep when I've been sitting for about 15 minutes, that tends to do the trick. That kind of ticks off another one for me. So there seems to be a, a, a relatively consistent period of time that makes it easier rather than, oh, I have to sit down for four or five hours. That doesn't really make sense. So um, there, there is plenty of, of information here that kind of suggests that there's something that brings her sp symptoms on specifically. There's something that turns her symptoms off specifically. And there seems to be a reproduction of symptoms in your examination. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So then finally, we have case study three. 76-year-old male with a five-year history of low back pain. In the last two to three months, they have noticed pain in both calves and pins and needles and numbness in both feet, specifically on the lateral side of both feet. They feel as if recently their back pain has been relatively constant and they've been trying to work out how to make their symptoms easier, but with little success other than noticing that sometimes when they're standing for a long period of time, their symptoms appear worse. When you do your examination, you notice that lumbar spine extension seems to bring on their symptoms a little bit more. They have been having difficulty sleeping, and have been finding that they are awake for a few hours at a time because of their symptoms, where changing position doesn't seem to help. So Marie, I suppose we have relatively limited information there but i suppose that's the idea with this is to kind of wade through everything so specifically from what you've heard what are your thoughts with that case this one sounds like a bit of a mixed bag so we've got the um more specific detail of where his pins and needles are over the lateral side of the foot so that fits a little bit more in terms of dermatomal pattern however we've got this kind of constant back pain that aside from prolonged standing um or he thinks prolonged standing might bring make his symptoms a bit worse it's there always in the background and so constant pain is something to kind of in my head that I'm thinking about and the fact that at night time his symptoms did you say appeared worse absolutely yeah so worse night pain so that's a bit of a red flag there 
Um, and the fact that when he changes position, that doesn't really change things. Yeah. So his his report was he's been finding that he is awake for a few hours at a time because of the symptoms where changing position doesn't seem to help. Yeah. He's up for a few hours. Yeah. Actually, this is probably a good time to discuss night pain and in terms of um because I think I think when we when we go through training and when you when you're starting out trying to differentiate between these patients, you're kind of like first told night pain is a red flag. But I'm sure if anyone listening to their this podcast has had some kind of MSK pathology, shoulder pain, let's say you've been working really hard at the gym one day and you've overdone it a little bit and your back hurts or you've been moving house and your back seems to hurt after moving house. We do get pain at night because we're in the same position for a long period of time and we feel quite stiff. So Marie, what are some of the key differences for you between this is kind of routine mechanical back pain at night that I'm not worried about versus this sounds like concerning back pain at night that I am worried about? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think for me, first of all, it's when people say it's worse at night. So if they got some night pain, you know, like you said, there's perfectly reasonable explanations to that. When they say my symptoms are worse at night, that makes me think, hmm, what else have we got going on here? So basically the situation whereby during the day there's no pain or limited pain, pain and then at the night nighttime, it's much worse. Yeah, their symptoms are much more profound at night time. Compared to, yeah, it's it's there at the day, it's there at night, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the other thing that I'm thinking about is can they get comfortable? So often a, a really common thing that people say is, oh, it's a bit sore when I get into bed. It takes me a while to find a comfortable position. But then once I found a comfortable position, I can sleep. And then sometimes if I move or roll over in the night, back to that aggravated roll onto my shoulder, for example, it wakes me up. But then again, when I move again to a different position, I'm able to get back to sleep. So that ability to go back to sleep quite quickly is quite a reassuring sign for me. The ones that I'm worrying about in terms of once they're in bed is where they cannot get comfortable. So they try they try loads of different positions, nothing helps to the point where they end up getting up. That's when I'm thinking about, is there something else going on here? Or for example, the people that can't lie down at all because lying down is too painful. Um, conversely you will potentially again it's a it's a one on questioning I've certainly had patients where they've had something not very nice like a cancer um, and when you say to them how's night time they go oh, it's all right and you go okay tell me about night time well I'm sleeping in a chair and they're sleeping in the chair because they can't sleep lying down but otherwise to them they feel like they're okay with night time so sometimes it's really important to kind of scope out things a little bit more so yeah I think bottom line for me is when symptoms are worse at night compared to the day when people cannot get a comfortable position or they're getting up in the night inability to lie flat and people that are sleeping in a chair wonderful that's a, a great little summary and, and I, I just to add to your picture I, I totally agree with everything you said when we as individuals have had back pain of our own like you said we can change position we can change the number of pillows we can change how we put our feet whether we're 
curling our feet up or whether we're uh, lying out straight, whether or not we change our mattress, whether we change when we sleep in a different bed. I've had people say that they tried sleeping in uh, a family member's bed and it felt better. Or people who say, I take painkillers and then I can go back to sleep. Those are all relatively reassuring. And, And like you said, definitely, I wake up in the middle of the night, I change position, and then I can go back to sleep relatively shortly. Compared to, I'm awake for hours. And and one of the ones that I always remember is a patient who ended up having rheumatoid arthritis. And she would say, I'm awake. I, I normally wake up for three, four hours, which is not normal. And, and that is not what we associate with mechanical, because with mechanical, we feel like there's something that we can do to switch it off. I change position. I change the number of pillows. Whereas there's nothing that these people can do to switch it off. So as you said, they're getting out of bed, they're trying to walk around because there's nothing that they can do. I'd say that there's a potential exception to that rule mm. in in terms of kind of post-op, post-trauma patients. Sure. So often with those patients that have just undergone surgery nighttime can be really tough for them because they haven't got anything else to distract their brain and they've got all of these inflammatory processes going on as part of the healing process. So it's not uncommon for people post for example, rotator cuff repair to tell you in the first kind of six to eight weeks, they're not getting very much sleep. That doesn't always mean that there's something really horrible or wrong going on. It's obviously sensible to to kind of get the bigger picture and, and make sure you're appropriately screening. But in those kind of acute post-op patients, sometimes nights can be really, really tough for them. So that's just my caveat with that. Very true. No, absolutely. Very true. So Marie, what do you think about the way in which this patient says they've recently noticed their back pain seems to have been relatively constant. When we talk about red flags, one of the things that we're always taught is constant unremitting symptoms. What what are we thinking there? What's the relevance of that in terms of mechanical and non-mechanical? So in terms of mechanical and non-mechanical, again, when we think about mechanical problems, they are linked to activity and movement. So whilst you would expect that certain movements and activities make them worse, you'd expect the withdrawing of those activities or, or a change of position or rest to make them feel better. So when something becomes more constant, it makes you think, is there another stimulus here that's giving them these pain signals is no susception all of the time or are we looking at a kind of persistent pain presentation where we've got kind of changes to neural fibers that are giving them this long-lasting constant pain so there's kind of a two two-pronged thing in my head there yeah i couldn't agree more and i think you described that so nicely in this in this con- in this concept that there is a stimulus that is not turning off And so sometimes we think of fractures as constant and unremitting because it's broken and no matter what position you change your body, it's still broken. And as you said, something like cancer um, that is, as you said, there all the time, uh, as it were. If there was a tumour in a space compressing that space and no matter what position we adopt, it's still compressing that space. So yeah, to... Unfortunately, this patient in this case study did have cancer. And you rightly mentioned very early on the podcast that sometimes patients will fit a mechanical pattern, but then develop into non-mechanical. And so, as you said, with this patient, we find that they seem to be worse with walking. They seem to be irritable with lumbar spine extension, but 
Marie, you waded through all this and you found those little non-mechanical signs, such as their symptoms are constant and the night pain. And as you said, we, we want to go into more detail about that night pain in terms of what's happening at night. How are they sleeping? What happens if you change position? How long are you awake for? If you do wake up in the middle of the night, how long does it take you to go back to sleep? So you, you did that really well. And I suppose just to kind of add in some extra things that we didn't mention with this case, but is probably important to mention is other areas of pain that sometimes are non-mechanical. We didn't put it in this case study because it probably would have given it away. But if we think about areas of the body that are sometimes described as non-mechanical areas, because there isn't really musculoskeletal tissue there, that we would imagine being the cause of pain. So, for example, tummy pain. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd add some unusual areas. So thoracic spine is obviously a big yeah. one. We know that you can have musculoskeletal-related thoracic spine pain. However, it's uncommon and unusual. Rib pain is another one. But, yeah, absolutely, tummy pain, um, anything kind of abdominal or kidney area yeah and the idea here is that those areas are filled with non-mechanical organs so obviously in the abdomen we've got our intestines and we've got our uh, pancreas and we've got our stomach um, and then of course around the thoracic spine as you said marie we've got lots of non-mechanical organs we've got breast tissue we've got lung tissue and those unfortunately are two areas which are very prone to metastases um, for metastases to develop off primary cancers, which are breast cancers or lung cancers. You mentioned the ribs. You're absolutely right. The ribs are something that is moving all the time in exactly the same way, as opposed to the shoulder, where you've got a joint that moves in all kinds of directions and is often at rest, sometimes not at rest. So you're right. Rib pain is definitely a non-mechanical sign. And so as well as trying to ask questions about the symptoms that they have, sometimes that location of pain gives us a clear sign of non-mechanical pathology too, hey? Yeah, absolutely. And, and some of the organs can refer pain. So people might be familiar with kind of the visceral referral of symptoms. Um, so as well as kind of your abdominal pain and that where your major organs are thinking about, sometimes that can present as over specific joints so the shoulders are a really common site for kind of visceral referrals to things like your intestines gallbladder spleen so again it's thinking into your story and definitely there's patients out there that have presented to to physios when actually they've had gallbladder problems or or stomach ulcers even because they've taken painkillers that have irritated their tummy and then they've come with shoulder pain but the shoulder's got full range movement can't bring bring it on um no clear mechanical ags but it's worse after they've eaten something so it's listening for those little bits in the story yeah i've got a classic case of that actually i had a, a patient 30 years old female shoulder pain didn't really know what brought on her symptoms it got worse six weeks ago didn't really know what brought it on Looked at her active range of movement, full active range of movement of the shoulder, really good strength. And, and you know, 30 years old, so nothing about OA, we're not thinking about frozen shoulder. And when we kind of brought it back, I said, was there anything else that happened six weeks ago? And she said, yeah, that's when my gallbladder was a problem, actually. I had this medication for my gallbladder, and they were talking about removing it. And I kind of suggested to her that it could be possible that that was the cause for symptoms. And then um, 
she had her gallbladder removed and guess what? Her shoulder got better. So it, it can absolutely happen. All right. Well, Marie, thank you so much. I think we've gone through some really great things there. I think you've given us some really great tips to try and help us establish when a patient has mechanical symptoms and when they might have non-mechanical symptoms. So thank you so, so much for joining us. Lovely to speak to you and see you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marie. A really worthwhile podcast episode. And guys, if you want more on this, we've got loads of webinars to help. We have the MSK Subjective Assessment webinar. We've got the MSK Red Flags webinar. And we've got the MSK Red Flags case studies that can also help you build on this. So thank you so much for listening. See you very soon on the CP Podcast.